Yes, we have all had them. No, they aren't fun. Yes, there are seasons in our life that we must go through. No, we do not have to accept the status quo. See, we are meant to thrive. We all have a God who loves us and who wants us to excel. I mean, we were all made in His image, right? In His likeness, right? Not only this, but there are certain promises that God gives His people. Today, I'll walk through those promises. My real goal is to help you get through a slump. I want to inspire you to think about why you're in it, where it's coming from, and what to do about it. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to The Whitaker Show. This is a show geared towards talking about the many key lessons and takeaways of Christianity with an eye towards apologetics. Thanks for tuning in. Alrighty, thank you all for tuning in. To start us off, I wanted to say that through some generous donations, we can now make this thing a business, which was kind of like my goal in the entire first place, to kind of separate it from myself and to also enable me to do more, to have more options with my website. Now, what does this mean for you? Not that much, honestly. I'm going to form the business and get it all legit, which will honestly make it super easy to donate in the future, as I said before. Furthermore, I hope to institute a paywall down the road. Other than that, it just indicates the insane growth this grassroots podcast has experienced in the past six months. It's pretty wild stuff, in my opinion. All right. So anyways, what is a slump? Well, as a definition, a slump is a sudden, severe, or prolonged fall in the price, value, or amount of something. Boy, aren't you glad that God doesn't have these, right? Aren't you glad that God doesn't drop your value arbitrarily? Well, he doesn't, but we do that to ourselves. That definition is not a spiritual definition, but in its secular nature, it certainly could be used that way. I mean, oftentimes we experience slumps due to our worth, the worth of things around us and in life taking a turn for the worst, I mean, perceivably anyways, right? While it's true that slumps are possible spiritually, that does not mean we have to accept them. I want to hit on some key verses that we can ground ourselves with, um, in an example that will help us spiritually and intellectually pull ourselves out of slumps, right? All right. I wish that we all had a pill or a product that was labeled slump be gone. You know, like a powder I could ingest and then bam, now I'm right as rain. For a lot of people, that could be drugs, music, passion, or even a long ride on a Harley, Harley Davidson electric glide. I sure would love the last one. Let me tell you. Well, we don't have a humanly product or a mentality that will beat that on its own. God does equip us to handle uh, life struggles, however, and we are certainly not alone. And this is a key point of engaging the Holy Spirit in us and also, to piggyback on previous episodes, why I am so jazzed about Christianity as a whole. Other religions must perform rituals, they have to atone, engage in specific prayers, wait, or even travel somewhere just to either get help from their God or to even speak to their God about their actual problems. Christians do not have to do this. God dwells inside of us, literally and understands intimately what we need as well as what we are going through. You don't even have to speak it. Like you can say it in your head. Jesus proves this ability through knowing the hearts of his disciples as well as others like the Pharisees and he even answered their questions before they'd even spoken them. Now, I encourage you to go outside your comfort zone and speak to God physically because it's not just about, you know, you assuming that God's listening and that kind of stuff. 
God does appreciate intentionality. And honestly, intentionality is a really good aspect for your personal life as well. All right, so let's home in on Psalms 13, 1 through 6 for a minute. So you may notice this is an intellectual episode, but honestly, I just really felt led toward giving kind of a sermon on Psalms and Hope just because this this has been a spiritual warfare kind of kind of month, kind of year for a lot of people. And so I think it's good for us to kind of step outside our boundaries a little bit and do things a little bit different than we would. Um, I think God appreciates when we rattle, our, rattle ourselves for Him, when we shake up the status quo for Him. I think that's something that God can get behind. All right, so Psalms 13, 1 through 6, this is David speaking. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? This is how David starts this outpouring to God by stating why he feels he is broken. I think these six verses could preach for an hour. I really do. Let's condense this though. I would be remiss if I didn't mention that David's first response to feeling broken broken or missing something is to cry out to God. He directly correlates his earthly slump to a lack of God. Would that we could all live that way. David mentions that he has to wrestle with his thoughts while having sorrow in his heart. We've all been there, right? Depression, mental slumps where we feel vulnerable and weak. I know I certainly have. Like right now, I'm going through the same thing. The outpouring of my heart toward getting my dream job, toward getting into a position that's less stressful, into getting something that has just been on my heart for a while. It's easy to just get disenfranchised and just think that God doesn't care. But let me tell you, God does care, right? David then goes on to do what we all must do in addition to asking God for help. Realize that our answer does come from Jesus Christ does come from God. David says, look on me and answer, Lord my God, give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say, I've overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. What does this mean? David is saying that only if you are for me, no one can be against me. And by you, I mean God. Another verse, but another truth. David says that he believes he feels this way because God has not given David light to his eyes or is not with him. David remarks that if God is not with him, then the world will rejoice with David's downfall. How true is that, right? All those haters we accumulate online are in our lives. How quickly they chalk up our problems to our dysfunctions or quickly they point out that we are a mess. How quickly people that loathe or blast us about our, um, they loathe or blast us in our misfortunes. David wasn't wrong. He's not wrong to not want his enemies to get a leg up on him. I mean, because that's that's kind of how we do things. Like you'll see people online all the time on Facebook and whatnot where you post something about your life being in a slump and then all they do is just find a way to beat you down. Like, well, you shouldn't have done this or you shouldn't hang out with this person. Tons of stuff, right? You don't need those people. You, you, need, to cut the, you need to cut them out of your life, right? But here is the key though. David ends the series of, of that 13, one through six verse um, verses with this statement, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. David mentions how just the fact that we can worship God and that we are alive is a testament to God doing enough for us. All right. So this isn't the word of God, right? This is the word of God that I'm mentioning to you right now. Da- Psalms 13, one through six, right? He says, but I trust in your unfailing love, right? So his first step is to trust in God's unfailing love. And then he says, my heart rejoices in your salvation. That's an alliteration toward how um, as Christians, our hope is, our 
our joy is our hope, right? Like joy comes from the Lord, not from, it's not happiness, it's joy, right? And then he says, I will sing the Lord's praise. How important is it for us to, to pray and to worship and to give thanks to God physically? Well, it's very important. This is, this is one of David's four steps here. He's going to sing the Lord's praise. Why? For he has been good to me. Not he's been good to me right now or will be good to me in the future because of what God has done before. If you can rejoice in what God has done in the past for you, imagine if you were to rejoice over what he's doing right now in your life, the stuff that you may not see, and also what he's going to do in your life. If he did it before, he can do it again. If he brought the the um, the, the Jews through Egypt and through the wilderness, he'll do it again. If he brought Jesus along to save your sins, he'll do something good in the future too. That's just how God works. That's what he promises us. And we'll get to promises here in a minute. David does mention that he trusts God to get him out of it, but he doesn't just pray that he is delivered instantly from a slump. No, David adopts the mindset of someone already out of their slump and turns despair into gratitude. Positive thinking isn't a tree-hugging, yoga-exercising, man-bun sort of thing, though man-buns are awesome. You don't believe me? Then why did the Vikings use them, right? I get it. They weren't the best people, but they certainly weren't tree-huggers. They were warriors. You know, um, like like me, you know, a, a five-foot-six tiny Viking warrior. All right, don't ask questions. That's what the haircut is for, okay, to be a Viking. Anyways, David engages in this because he knows that in Christianity, we don't have happiness. We have joy. Joy comes from the Lord, y'all. And it isn't an extrinsic value, but an intrinsic value. See, God is God is way more interested in the intrinsic, which then will radiate to the, you guessed it, extrinsic. It's joy is found from God alone. And therefore, that is where we go for it. Like that's where that that's what we try to achieve is joy. Now let's change gears into some promises made by God. David speaks about these in Psalms as well, specifically Psalms 138:2. I will give thanks to your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness, because your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. See, God doesn't just say, I am God, be done with it, right? God says that if I do have love and faithfulness. If I do give you a promise, if I do anything, it's backed up. You can take it to the bank. It's backed up by my name. It's not just about me having the power to do things. It's that my even my name is a promise. Even my name conveys honor, which is pretty cool that God just is he's not just like, because I said so. <laughs> he's like, no, I do say because, because I said so, but hey, there's also love and grace. And also, my name is honorable because I honor my promises. I honor these things. Hey, so check this out. God has nothing to gain, right? From lying or deceiving us, but we have everything to lose by not trusting in him. Let me show you. I'm going to blast out seven promises of God that will rock your world. Ready? No, you're not ready, but you're going to appreciate this anyways. First, God promises that he will be our strength as in Philippians 4.13. God promises that he will never leave you as said in Deuteronomy 31.6. God promises that he has plans to prosper you, as in Jeremiah 29.11. God promises that he hears your prayers, as in John 14.13-14. God promises that he will fight for us, as in Exodus 14.14. God promises that he will give you peace, as in John 14.27. God promises, finally, that he will always love you, as in 1 John 4.9-10. Right? Before I sum this up, 
let me present to you seven questions that you should ask yourself in a slump, right? First question, how much am I praying, right? How often do I read the Bible? What's keeping me from serving others? Am I focused on myself too much? Am I, am I becoming isolated? Am I getting enough rest? Am I being honest with myself? These are seven questions that I really hope you get back on track because these questions are pivotal and I encourage you to dwell on them as I know that I will as this is all being like elucidated to me as well. I have spoken in previous episodes about how Christianity doesn't mean your life is a ray of sunshine you know, or that it instantly is free of life's ills. It's not all rainbows and butterflies. Let me give you two verses that will show you what Christianity does do though, right? Firstly, Matthew 11, 20, 30 states, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is a light. Right? Nothing in that details that life will be convenient or easy. Jesus says that with his help, though, life will be easier. Wouldn't you rather have a God of the universe, have the God of the universe, sitting in your bleachers cheering you on through life rather than the whims of the world? Again, wouldn't you rather have the God who created every single living thing and holds it all together, literally cheering for, God is there for you. He is your fanboy, but he's also your God and your best friend and your father, right? When you have him on your side, even those of you that don't have much faith, like, rather than random chance and karma? I know I would, right? That, that seems much more tangible for me. Now, in these promises that I mentioned, I, I want to kind of piggyback on two or three of them right quick, okay? Quickly, I transitioned from prayer, reading the Bible, to what's keeping you from serving others, right? Oftentimes, when God blesses you with something, and like I'm sure that all of you who go to church have heard this before, God's not blessing you for you. He's blessing you for others. So if you're in some kind of slump that you're going through, spiritually, financially, whatever it is, think about this right here. What's keeping you from serving others? If you are downtrodden in your mentality, if you're downtrodden in what's happening to you and it's keeping you sequestered within yourself, that is not God's purpose, right? You can't get out of this yourself God has some tips for you to help you out with this kind of stuff. The goal is to live for others, right? The goal is to help out others, not just because it's a good thing. It honestly helps you to externalize and it honestly helps you to get the help that you may need. That's why one of the other questions was, are you becoming isolated? And also, are you focused on yourself too much? Because that is, that is very key. Being honest with yourself means focusing away from yourself right? You can't sit here and just spend all day long. You can't just come home, crack open a drink and turn on the TV and expect your problems to be solved, right? Prayer is involved. Honesty is involved. Getting yourself externalized is involved. You can't do this yourself. Like we're meant to be blessed by each other. God uses us. And of course, God can just flip this thing on a dime, right? But you're missing out on God's promises, you're missing out on everything that God has for you in your slump by sitting in your office all day long. 
And, and that, that's why the final two are getting rest and being honest. Because it's important to sleep. Oftentimes we have a hard time sleeping. We have a hard time sleeping because your mind is occupied with things that you have not been honest with yourself. You can't expect your subconscious to do all the work for you. Right? <laughs> you can't expect your dreams to just coalesce and then your mind to make sense of everything and then voila, now you're good. That's just not how it works. It's not. And I don't think that you'd want it to really work that way. So what's cool is that God can bless you in that. So I was just mentioning Matthew 11, 28, 30. So now let's talk about James 1, 2 through 4, which states, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. How cool would that be, right? God is showing us a value that we can tangibly see for ourselves. Let me explain. Before something new, life-changing, good, or any sort of advancement happens, what usually precedes it? Some sort of struggle, right? Some sort of learning, exercise, exercise, life-altering event, or something like that, right? You bet it does. Even, even like the name Israel means struggle with God. Israel went through tons of struggles before it was the great nation that it was destined to be. If you get the new job, it's because you searched for it. If you were prepared, then you studied for it. If you ran that extra mile, it's because you trained for it. If you are now the manager, it's because you were groomed for it. Well, usually anyways. Sometimes you get thrown in that. God is stating all of that there. God's going to be there for you and you will get out of it. And it's not just that you will miraculously get out of it, though that may happen. I have found that for me, that means realizing God's promises and asking myself those questions so that I'm inspired to figure out the way out. And it's not... It's not that you're doing this in your humanity. It's not that you're figuring it out. You're, you're, you are utilizing God's word and God's promises and God's mentality to get out of your slump. That is God lifting you out of the slump because it honestly takes the Holy Spirit to get you to that point. It honestly does. No amount of counseling is going to fix what the Holy Spirit can counsel you. It's just not like you may be sitting there and you get a like this. This episode is proof of that. I was not going to do an episode on a sermon on slumps. I was going to do an episode on the historicity of Christianity, proving the history of it. So that'll have to come later on because God obviously wanted me to do this because I'm going to slump myself. I get it. Like this is advice for myself. Okay. So let's keep on trudging on. God mentions how he is a lamp upon our feet, guiding our way. Who is to say that doesn't mean empowering us to get out of slumps. You can do this by God, literally, you can do this. Now, what do I mean by all this? If you aren't a Christian, haven't proclaimed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, now is a good time to do so. Why? Because you would be tapping into the greatest power of all time to be your best friend, father, helper, and God. You would have access to get out of your slump. Heck, those Christian principles can be applied to a secular life and still, all caps, still get you out of that slump. So what are you waiting for? If you're a Christian, Go read about the slump that Elijah went through in his persecution. Read about David. Read about Moses and him having to deal with the wilderness and, and the people he was called to guide. Realize that God has a plan for you and this slump is on you, right? I'm not saying you have to change things and I'm not saying that you have to revamp who you are. That's the beauty of my God. Just trust in him, worship him, and that's enough. I know for me, serving others as Jesus did is a surefire way to get out of that slump. Right. And before I continue, an example of that is this podcast. 
This is my way of externalizing. This is my way of showing my faith in God and getting through my slump is by talking about things that truly bother me to you and hoping that it like, like at least contributes like one-tenth of what it's done for me to you, right? So let's continue. A key tenet of Christianity is faith, but faith without works is dead, right? Get out there and serve God. Tell someone they are wonderful. Open some doors for people. Be the light. Improve yourself. Read the word of God. Talk to someone about God. Anything. This slump doesn't define you and no future slump does as well. You are in control of how you address this thing. God declares that our bodies are temples for him, right? That includes your mind. So if your temple has a leak, plug it and develop and develop a fix for the future of that. If your temple has weeds, pluck them, you know, intellectual comparisons or something. Just promise yourself this, that whenever things are not optimal, you won't settle for that. You'll push through. You'll find a way. God found a way for you died for you on a cross, even though he didn't have to. Not so that you owe him anything, no, no, no. So that you have an example to follow. How cool is that, right? We have this perfect example in Jesus Christ. We have the whole word of God of examples, not just mantras. It's not like like any other religion where it's like you just repeat these mantras or it's just like bullet point list of why you should believe in God. We have stories of real people that existed that we can draw upon. People that have gone through struggles like you know, Job. All these people that we can draw upon, read those stories, listen how they got out of their slumps, apply it to your life. The book, to you don't need a fancy self-help book from a dude with a nice haircut and a five o'clock shadow. You have God. You literally have the word of God. So I encourage you all to get into that. All right. Thank you guys for listening so much. I really appreciate it. Um, thank you so much for the donations. You're empowering the show, and I truly do appreciate it. Y'all have a blessed morning, day, or night. And again, thank you so much for what you do in your daily life, and thank you so much for listening. It honestly bolsters me to know that you guys are there while I'm trying to be there. Godspeed, y'all.